Welcome to the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast, where excuses aren't tolerated and results are earned through authenticity, vulnerability, and a commitment to excellence. My name is Amber Furman, success architect, attorney, and NLP trainer. If you're ready to bitch slap the bully in your brain, overcome the bullshit that holds you back, and design the life and success you've always wanted, then it's time for you to break your bullshit box and step into designing life and success on your terms. Welcome to another episode of the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast. Today's guest is Tyler Witkowski. Tyler is from North Carolina. He has shared his story with mental health, with addiction. He's a travel blogger. He lives in North Carolina with his wife, Grace, and their furry companions, Dutch and Belle. We talk about his RV life and his goals for a travel blog throughout the episode. This podcast was a lot of fun. Tyler talks about his first book, turning a novella into an actual novel about the true events regarding his mental health journey. He talks about some of the other books that he's written, as well as some of his publishing efforts. It was a lot of fun to connect with Tyler. It was a lot of fun to hear his story, him share about what it was like for him opening up for the first time, which is something that I know all of us struggle with, regardless of what it is we're opening up about. It was super great to connect with Tyler and to hear more of a story, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. Before we do, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that we are this close this close to launching our first course, and I know that it's going to be absolutely incredible for helping you overcome the bullshit that's in your head, break your bullshit box, overcome your excuses and build the life that you've always wanted. So if you are tired of constantly running around in circles, the overwhelm of building a business, and you are ready to find clarity and to move towards the life, the business that you've always wanted, then head over to successdevelopmentsolutions.com, book a call on my calendar, and let's Go ahead and get together and see if it's a good fit for you. With that being said, let's jump into this call with Tyler. Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. I'm so excited to have you. Absolutely, Amber. I'm excited to be here. This is this is an exciting opportunity. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. So before we jump into the amazingness that we're going to discuss today, let's give everybody a minute to get to know Tyler and who you are. Um, where are you currently located? Fun story. I am in Lake Waccamaw, North Carolina, but I live in an RV full time. So uh, come be the beginning of 2024, we're going to start traveling across the United States for about 10 months. And then we're going to come back to our home base of North Carolina uh, from Leland, North Carolina, originally, which is about 15 minutes from all the beaches uh, in the Cape Fear area. So, you know, grew up on the beaches, but as you can see, I got mountains and waves in the background. I'm all about traveling. Yeah, absolutely. What was, how long have you been um, the RV nomad life? How long has that been your reality? Yeah, so we, uh, my wife and I had discussed it back in January of this year. Um, we had had, we were st staying in Leland because of family. We wanted to be around family and then 
we had some issues and we realized that we had to do our own thing. So we started talking about it and well, I brought it up. I had been thinking about it for months because we had just bought a RV in November, the November prior. And uh, I finally brought it up to my wife and I said, Hey, let's hit the road. And at first we were going to keep the house and, you know, but financials just don't work that way sometimes. So we decided to sell the house and live in an RV full time. And so We've been in the RV. Um, we put our house on the market in March, sold it by the end of March, and we're in a um, in the RV full time since May. What are the biggest pros and the biggest challenges that you've experienced making that shift? I think uh, one of the biggest pros and one of the biggest challenges is being in a smaller space. Um, you know, it's a pro because we get to spend more time. Uh, my wife and I spend more time with each other and our dogs because before we had a three bedroom house and it was, you know, our dogs were in run one room and we were in another room. And, you know, now my wife and I sit right across from each other every day when we work. And it's just so nice to be able to be so close to her all the time. You know, if she's in the bedroom, I can say, hey, babe, how you doing? And she can hear me, you know, whereas if I was sitting in the living room before and she was in the bedroom, she couldn't hear me if I just called out to her. And uh, but it's also a challenge because we had so much stuff and we had to whittle down what we kept and what we didn't want to keep. So we had to learn. It was definitely an adjustment. But I think now we're really liking the smaller lifestyle, the less stuff, because it's less stuff that we have to keep up with, less stuff that we have to clean, less stuff that we just have to care about in general besides each other. Yeah. Did you do an actual RV or did you convert a van or a truck for living purposes? Yeah, we uh, we got an actual RV. Um, it's a 2008 Coachman Concorde 300. We got it from my grandfather. Um, actually named it after his mother, my great grandmother, Dink. Um, so we have Dink the RV and Ginger the Jeep. <laughs> I love that. And um, is your you said that your plan is to eventually be um, to travel across the country. Is that what I remember you saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our goal is to hit all 50 states by the time we hit 50. Um, we're going to spend about 10 months out of every year on the road, um, visiting a different state every couple of weeks. And we'll be back in North Carolina to visit with family and friends and all that uh, for about two or three months of the year. And then we'll head back out. For people who love freedom, that RV lifestyle is really um, becoming incredibly appealing because you really can just pick up and go anywhere that you want, which is really cool. Um, and then also, like you said, it's such a smaller space that everything has its trade-offs, right? Um, mm -hmm. I'm really curious to know, how do you guys manage the human side of constantly being in such a small space together? How do you guys make sure that you're honoring each other's boundaries and also that you're providing a space where you guys can continue to grow together? Yeah. And that, that's definitely one big thing that we've learned. Um, we, we've spent more time together and we, our relationship started eight years ago. Uh, we were long distance for about three years. So 
we spent a lot of time getting to know each other through text messages and phones. And then once we moved in together, um, we had people living with us all the time. So we never really got the time alone to connect with each other on a more personal, physical, intimate level. And now that we're in this smaller space, we're able to be closer together and relearn one another, learn the unique aspects of our lives and be able to pick each other's soul, you know, not just our mind, but your actual soul and learn who you are. Um, One thing that I think has really been a challenge for us, though, is finding those boundaries because we've only got one vehicle um, because, you know, when you're in an RV lifestyle, you pull a vehicle behind you or you pull your RV with the vehicle. And so we've had to learn that, okay, you know, some one or two days of the month, she wants to take the Jeep and go out and do laundry by herself or go grocery shopping by herself or just go hang out with her friends or something like that. And then every once in a while, I'll do the same thing. I'll go grocery shopping myself or go run errands. Um, So we, we found ways to get that alone time. It's definitely not the same alone time that we had before, but that's also a good thing because it's kind of weird having alone time when you're in the same house, Um, you know? So now that we're in the same house living space and um, you know, it's just, it's been great for us. That's awesome. I love the growth that you explained as well as the pivoting, which is what any part of life or business is all about, right? Is figuring out what you want to create, not what everybody tells you you should be creating and then finding a way for that to work for you. So um, let's dig into a little bit more about you um, personally and professionally. So what is it that you currently do? Um, What's your current career? Um, I guess the better question is, what isn't my career at this point? (laughs) As you can see behind me, I have um, my author brand. Um, So I am a writer. I have published four books at this point and just re-released. I've released two books this year um, and two two to three more planned for next year. I also have uh, Tea with Coffee Media. And Tea with Coffee Media is my publishing company. Um, I started with my wife, Gracie. And my friends Aaron, Kale, or Aaron, Kelsey, and Victoria, tongue-tied. Um, we all have been authors, and we decided to put our powers together, and we created Tea with Coffee Media. We're a pu- small, independent publishing company. We publish authors of all different backgrounds. You know, we've got BIPOC authors, Latinx, and LGBTQIA plus and disabled. And we just really try to make sure that everybody is taken care of. Uh, We also have our travel blog, Adventure with Coffee, which is where my wife and I document our adventures and our travels. And we do two or three blog posts a month where we talk about our, you know, do ratings for campgrounds and do ratings for restaurants and breweries. And then we talk about different RV tips and tricks and, um, we, we do that. And I also have the Witkowski company, which is a marketing and communications firm. So we've got a few clients that we deal with right now. And then with, with all of that, uh, I also do some affiliate <laughs> marketing. I also have quite a few partnerships with different brands, um, like fresh roast coffee threads for thoughts, um, and several different writing programs. And all of that's on my website, but 
So I've got a couple different financial streams coming in, income streams coming in. But, um, you know, I actually left a uh, pretty good job to start this RV life. Um, left, I was the marketing director for a small uh, marketing firm in Wilmington, North Carolina, and really loved it. But I decided that this was what I wanted to do. And I, I took the chance and took the leap and found a remote work and was working remotely for the past year for uh, somebody else and finally decided, you know what, it's time for me to, uh, I guess, break my bullshit box and get a, you know, get a good job going. Yeah, I um, always love when I hear people say that they left behind the pinnacle of what people see as security to do what it was that they wanted to do and they felt like was that next step for them personally and professionally. Um, because anybody that started a business has been through it, right? Where at some point in time, we had this sense of security, which realistically is just a facade anyways, because any business can go out of business at any point in time. But for some reason, we think that it's more stable when it's somebody else's business. Um, but we have this sense of security and we say, that's not going to take me where I want to go. And it's an incredibly brave thing to do. Um, you just rattled off a ton of really cool stuff that you get to do with your life. Um, what is the common denominator between all the things that you've chosen to spend your time with? What do you think it is that, um, ties all of those things together for you? Oh, definitely. You know, I, I consider myself a content marketer and a communicator, public relations, that type of thing. So, you know, the whole writing aspect of all of it, like I mentioned, I'm a writer. Tea with Coffee Media helps writers adventure with coffee. We write blogs, uh, you know, the Witkowski Company. We do a lot of writing. So just that writing aspect, my grandmother was a high school principal and or a high, yeah, high school principal, English teacher, and later my elementary school principal. So I spent a lot of time in the school system um, even before I was in school. I, I was there with her and she she and my grandfather helped raise me. You know, my mom was a single mom, you know, working and to support me and my brother and I spent so much time writing with her. She encouraged me to write. She loved my writing. I used to write her little short stories and write her um, comic books and things like that that I would leave on her desk whenever I would go off to class. And she just always encouraged me. And I think that is kind of my connection with my grandma, too. And that's why I love it so much, because she I talked to her four or five times a day. Um, you know, my grandfather just passed away back in April and, you know, I, I call her every night to tell her, thank you. I call her every night to tell her good night, um, just so that she, you know, has somebody there for her that's, that's taking care of her. That's so sweet. Um, the writing side of it, you know, I grew up reading, um, I loved to read and I never knew that people could make, I mean, it sounds so weird to say that you didn't know people could make a living being an author because when you love to read, you know, that's a medium people like to consume, but it was always for other people, right? It wasn't for, mm -hmm. for me. And when I decided I wanted to write my first book, I thought, 
I mean, who does this? And when I got into the world of people that actually write and make money from it and the millions of different ways that you can string words together in order to produce an income, it was really incredible. So you said that you've produced four books so far. Which one was, I know this is an unfair question. It's like asking what your favorite kid is, but which one was your favorite book? Um, so my first uh, book was a novella called Not Alone. And I recently rewrote it into a full length novel and published it uh, in October of this year for Mental Health Month. And to me, that is probably my, um, you know, the novella was my first piece. So it was something I'm super proud of, but it wasn't the best writing. And so I rewrote it five years later and now it's probably one of my favorite pieces and people who have read it, they're like, I can just see the amazing transformation from your first book to the second book. And to me, that is the story that means the most because it is based on true events from my life. A lot of what happened in that novella or the novel happened to me in my life, and it was mental, mental health issues and addiction and things like that that I wanted to show people that despite all that, you can overcome it. You can fight your inner demons and take control of your life and become successful. You don't have to let them control you, but you've got to you know, look at all the – there's so many different ways that you can go about it, and I really wanted to show people that with your support system, you're able to go a long ways. Yeah, that statement, there's so many different ways that you can go about it is so true. And I think our we grow up in this education system where there's a right and a wrong answer to every question that we're asked. And that leads us to believe that there's going to be a right and a wrong answer to every decision that we have to make in the future. And it it isn't. It stops being right and wrong when we graduate from school. And we start actually living our life. So I love that aspect of it. I also really think it's incredibly brave to put your struggles with mental health into a forum that people can learn from. Because I talk about this in Break Your Bullshit Box, that we often like to convince ourselves that people that are successful are successful because they're not us that they have something that we don't have that makes them more um, susceptible to being successful than we are. And that we are the only people that have the problems that we have in the world. So nobody else would possibly ever understand what we go through. Um, and then in a world where mental health is so stigmatized and it's becoming less, people are talking about it more. At the same time, there's still so much shame around any type of mental health and addiction issues that I love to hear people sharing those stories openly and freely. What was it for you that was the moment that you said, I can no longer keep quiet about this. I have to share my story. Um, so I used to be, like you said, I used to be really ashamed of my mental illness. Um, I thought it made me less worthy. I thought it made me crazy. And I hate that word now because it's so derogatory. Um, but I used, I, I used to think that I was less of a person because of it. 
And whenever I first wrote Not Alone, it was because my grandmother, I was living with my grandmother at the time while we were waiting for our house to be built. And she asked me to write her something one day. And I was like, what do I want to write her? And one day on my way home from work, I just had this epiphany. I was like, it's going to be called Not Alone. And it's going to be about my mental health struggles. And I just thought of it because people, my therapist had always encouraged me to journal and to write down my stuff. So I was like, okay, you know, that's a good idea. So this is a way I can fictionalize my writing and turn it into something that is passionate. I never intended to publish it. Um, I, I intended to share it with my grandmother and my friends and family who were, who characters in the book were based off of. And whenever I started sharing it with people, people were like, you've got to publish this. You've got to publish this. And I, and I, I spent a lot of nights wondering, I was like, I don't know if I want to publish this because that puts who I am on the spot that puts my mental illness and, and, and the potential that I'm a lesser person makes me, you know, a target. And that's what I was afraid of. But one day my uh, best friend at the time, Taylor, she told me, she was like, I cried reading your book. She told me that it helped her realize that she wasn't alone. Her and I connected whenever we first connected on mental health issues. Um, and we were there for each other. We were each other's support system. She was my safe person and I was hers. I mean, even to this day, I know I can call her anytime and she'll answer and she's there for me. Um, but she, that was the moment that I said, you know what, I'm going to publish it. I'm going to help other people see that they're not alone and show other people, you know, if I invoked emotion in, in one person and I changed one person's life, then I've done something good. And I, I've changed people's lives. I've had people message my uh, Facebook page and or my Twitter, DM me on Twitter or Instagram, and they'll be like, you've made such a difference in my life with your book. I don't think you realize it. And that is one of the best feelings that anybody could ever have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we all want to make that kind of an impact. And it's so cool that you're getting to. Um, you know, when I wrote, when I wrote my book, it was very similar as far as, you know, I knew that it had the potential to be a seven figure income stream for me. And also I knew that that wasn't the purpose of writing it, that the purpose of writing it was because when I was at my rock bottom, I felt so, like you said, alone, I felt so alone. And, you know, my story is not unique in the fact that um, I had achieved so much that the people in my life thought that I was this incredibly successful person, first person in my family to go to college, went on to go to law school, all of that stuff that my audience knows. And then when that didn't do it for me, when that didn't fix the problems, when that didn't deal with the trauma that I had ignored, and I started telling people that I wasn't happy. Nobody could understand that because, or at least I felt like nobody could understand that because I had so much. How could you not be happy? And then you go down the road of like, be grateful for what you're, what you have. And it presumes that there's this connection between if you're not satisfied, if you're not fulfilled, if you're not, um, happy with where you're at, then you must not be grateful. And it that's such a, a, a backwards way of looking at it, because sometimes we've just done too much and we need to scale back and remember who we are as people. Absolutely. And, you know, I have very, 
very similar story where I I had a full time job that I was working and it was for local government and there's a lot of protection for local government jobs. You know, you've you've got a position where the government's not going away anytime soon, even no matter how many people would like it to. <laughs> um, so, you know, and it, it was a very humbling experience um, because I had the money. I had the success. I had I was winning awards every single year for my work. And one day I got fired from that job for no reason, um, for turning down, for refusing to do something illegal. Mm. And it was a very strong point in my life that I was like, I've got to do what's right for me. And I've got to make a difference in my life because no matter um, the awards, the recognitions, uh, there's a song out there that goes, no matter the awards or the recognitions, every goal doesn't lead to freedom because you'll set a new goal for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's so necessary that people do that. And also, I think that's where what we want to have and what we already have and the gratitude and the goal setting have to go hand in hand together because we're never going to stop growing. We always want to have more and accomplish more and do more and be more. And that's important. Um, and also it's important to know why we're doing it and you know what we've accomplished already. And it's definitely the sweet spot of give and take. Um, when you started sharing your story, what was one of the biggest challenges that you faced personally when you made the decision to share? Was it easy sailing after that or were there some challenges you had to overcome? There were definitely some challenges. Um, you know, anybody with mental illness knows that you have bad cases of imposter syndrome and there are cases of paranoia where I did, I, as soon as I published it, I was like, oh God, what did I do? Like, I, I wanted to go back and cancel the whole publication thing that I was doing. And I never did. And I, I'm really happy with that decision. But it was scary. It was so scary whenever I first published it because I felt like, like I said earlier, there was a target on my back. Like people were going to be out to get me because I was different. Um, that there's one scene in the book that was based on real events prior to that, but it was, I, I felt like the people in my life were going to think I was crazy and take me away. Mm. And that just wasn't the case. But in your mind, you still feel like that. Despite all of it, I went forward and I'm so happy I did because it truly was an amazing journey. You know, I, I can't say I had, many rough spots besides an occasional negative rating never got a negative review but i have got negative ratings um but you know <laughs> yeah uh you know it's it's just a it's it's been kind of smooth sailing since and i'm happy about that because it makes me know that other people out there are experiencing the same joy that my friends and family were from my story yeah. Um, I think that that was one of the biggest things that I had to get over as well is like, what if somebody doesn't like it? And they're like, not what if, when, like when somebody doesn't like it and, and if you're not getting somebody that doesn't like it, then you haven't said anything that's worth saying. So, um, you know, we're always going to alienate somebody with our message because they don't resonate with it and that's fine. They're not our people and that's okay. Um, 
but for somebody that comes from the background that everybody's supposed to love me and like me and nobody cannot like me, becoming a content creator was um, not the easiest path for sure. Yes, yes. Um, it was, I did the same thing whenever I went for my content creation and uh, I was very afraid to put myself out there as a quote unquote influencer. And I was so afraid of what people would think about me. And I mean, even to this day, I still have imposter syndrome where I feel like I'm not good enough that what am I doing? I just need to give up. But so many people in my you know realm and the sphere that I've built, people that I would even call friends now that I've never met in person, that I've only met online through my influencer um, profiles, they have become some of my biggest supporters. And it's amazing how a random person on the internet can support you more than people you know in real life. Yeah, that was a hard realization for me and something that I try really hard to make sure that people know um, up front is that support rarely comes from the place that you expect that it will. And it always, almost always comes from the least expected sources. And, you know, my, my family and friends, they support me as much as they are capable of supporting me. However, to them, I'm still the person I was four or five iterations ago in my journey. And the people that I'm here to help are people that, um, don't know those versions of me that they do. So it's so important to take into consideration that because somebody doesn't support you doesn't mean that they don't want to. Sometimes they're supporting you in the only way they can. Um, and, in, and so often we get caught up on saying, well, if the people closest to me don't support me, then why would anybody else? And so often the answer is it because they're not the people closest to you. And, you know, support does not, and I think a lot of people think that support comes in monetary form, and that's not the mm -hmm. case. Support comes in free form, you know, like their stuff on social media, share their stuff on social media, leave them a review, um, sh you know, go on Google and leave a comment about them. There's so many different ways that you can support them for free. As an author, one way you can support your authors are going to bookstores and asking them to start carrying these authors. I mean, there's so many free ways that you can support people that I think people often get caught up in this monetary society mm -hmm. that we've built to where money is everything and money is key and money is quote unquote happiness. And that's not the case for people like us. We want to have that support. I'd rather have 20 people share my um, stuff on social media than 20 people buy my book. Yeah, 100%. Um, so with all the things that you have going on right now, what is the thing you're most excited for? Oh, I'm so excited for the Adventure with Coffee blog to once we start traveling and hitting other states, because right now it's kind of North Carolina based. Um, but my wife and I, we're big foodies. I'm a big craft beer person. We're both big craft coffee people. So what we like to do is visit all these breweries, these local breweries, these local coffee shops, local restaurants. And, you know, this is our way of supporting them by doing these reviews and these ratings and writing blog posts and linking back to their social media and their website and helping people find them. You know, we, we love supporting small businesses like that. And eventually my wife and I hope that, um, cause my wife currently works in college admissions. 
And one day our goal is to get where both of us can just travel full time and make mm. enough money to support ourselves and pay our bills off of that. That's amazing. If you had one piece of advice for somebody that was thinking about starting their business or they have their business and they're ready to take it to the next level, um, what would that piece of advice be? Invest in your people. Um, the people that I have built have become like a second family to me. And that is one of the most important things. Like there's a lot of companies out there that I've worked for and heard of that are like, oh, we're a family. But at the end of the day, they don't treat each other like family. I mean, yeah, you've got to make the hard decisions at the end of the day, but you've got to make hard decisions with your own family, too. Um, there are sometimes you have to cut people in your family off, just like sometimes you may have to let somebody go from a job. Um, but just be fair about it and be honest and be, you know, do everything you can to communicate with them and fix the problem. Just don't be heartless and really care about your people. We we take in a lot of younger um, people fresh out of college and, and help them grow. We have several resources to help them grow. Um, they're allowed to use our programs to do side work, and we just really want to see them succeed. And I think that's what it, being an employer should be about is helping other people succeed. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, and I think we often forget, not that we want to help them succeed because we, we obviously do. Um, we forget that they're humans. I just did a podcast recording the other day with somebody that we talked about the fact that so often we're hired because of who we are. And then we're asked to leave who we are at the door to fit this professional version of who they want us to be. And as business owners, I think it's so important that we allow people to bring their uniqueness that drew us to them in the first place into the role that we're hiring them for. So I love that you bring that up. Yeah. And, you know, as I know this is kind of something that's a little different, but I'm a big tattoo fan. And at previous jobs, I haven't been allowed to have tattoos that were visible and I'm like, that's what makes me me. That's part of who I am. And they, my tattoos tell my story. And now I've got sleeves of tattoos. And um, one thing that I'm doing is I'm doing a photo shoot and I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt so that all my tattoos are exposed so that people can see even tattooed people can be successful and run businesses and they're not always bad people. So just the the judgment that is in society i'm trying to break the mold and show people that you know just because you have tattoos or just because you're a different color just because you're a different gender or size doesn't mean that you're any less of a person and we should all embrace that uniqueness and the individuality whenever we bring it to the table because they there are so many other people that are like us and we'll see the world from our point of view and we can bring that to the table to give more hope to other people, but also be more inclusive in our society. Yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. So for anybody who's listening to this that says, man, Tyler has some really cool viewpoints and I want to hear more about his stuff and I want to learn about him traveling the country in his RV. What is the best place for people to follow you and continue to stay in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, and Threads. 
um, all as Tyler Witkowski. I'm the only Tyler Witkowski in the world, so you shouldn't have a problem finding me. Um, I, you can also find all of my, a link to all my websites, my books, um, blogs, all that at my link tree, which is linktr.ee slash Tyler Witkowski. Um, I'm sure Amber, Amber will have my name and somewhere in the title or description. So you don't have to worry about misspelling. <laughs> it. Yeah. And we'll have um, that link in the show notes as well to your link tree. Perfect. Yeah. So that's, um, that's, that's where to find me. And I I'm always open to talking to other people. I've had people message, like I mentioned earlier, people message me and tell me that I've inspired them or, you know, even from being on podcast, uh, I've had people message me that I've listened to the podcast and I'm always open to talk because I want to make sure nobody ever feels alone like I did. And if I can be a friend, I'm going to be a friend to as many people as possible because I want people to feel loved and valued. And that was something that I lacked a lot. I love that so much. Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I think that it's really cool what you're doing. I commend you for sharing your story. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of the amazing pictures and reading the blog from when you start traveling the country and supporting people in your RV. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. I really enjoyed this conversation. And I hope uh, hope somebody out there takes something away from it and gets inspired to go out there, write a book or you know, just break their bullshit box. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that they will. This was a great conversation. So thank you.